Hi, welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of the School Run Podcast. Thank you so much for your support so far. If this is your first time listening, I'd like to give you a little bit of background. My name's Jane and I'm joined by my now 16-year-old daughter, Liv. We started this podcast early in February 2023 and the success has been incredible. We share our journey on our very long school run to school at the moment, um, the conversations that we have the debates that we have and things that you maybe don't learn about at school Liv and I will chat about in the car. We're now in the privileged position of welcoming fabulous guests to join us and and make those debates even bigger even greater and it's a real honour to do this. Liv how are you feeling about today's podcast episode? I'm actually so excited when when this person came on this morning they were like I'm so honoured to be here and I was like what like oh my gosh I feel famous when I'm not but you know and I'm just gonna say if my voice sounds croaky I've just had a two-day sleepover with my friends as like a little post-birthday party thing we went to the Trafford Centre and I woke up half an hour ago so if my voice is like morning voice you, you I mean it's even worse looking at me but I literally look like I've woken up out of bed because I have so it's <laughs> everyone know absolutely but we've had this date in the diary for some time this wonderful lady contacted me and we spoke on the phone and we just aligned on so many things and it's going to be really exciting I'm going to start with a bit of a quote that um, Sonal Patel, who's joining us today, sent to me, and it, it is as follows. Your degree is just a piece of paper. Your education is seen in your relentless resilience, compassionate kindness and authentic character. How beautiful is that? This lady joins us. Um, she runs Rise Girls. She's come from a background in dentistry, pharmaceuticals, is now a teacher and online tutor to empower young people and educate them in a really empowered way. There's things in her history with King's College London, UCL and so much more. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Sonal and to have this chat. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Liv. You are such warm genuine authentic people I I feel like I already know you and I'm, I'm also so grateful to my my friend and mentor Jenna for putting me in touch with you and I'm really excited for this conversation you are famous in my world Liv like seriously I, I this is a vibe we all need to get on in this world I know there are famous people I know there are celebrities but I think if we can really value and honor and appreciate the people in our lives in our immediate circles I feel like people will have a lot more joy in their life because we're not comparing ourselves to something unachievable for us not all of us are born to be famous but we can be famous in each other's world so yeah I loved how you said that <laughs> oh thank you for being here I, 
I don't know where we start with your amazing story so far, um, but should we go back to childhood? Because I love finding out about people's childhood. Um, you've got a love of food, a love of cooking, a love of family and friends. Tell us about your childhood, Sonal, and, and how you how you ended up at university doing dentistry. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, growing up, I, I feel so blessed, honestly. My parents... Um, they really didn't have what I had growing up. Um, my, you know, my dad, he went to boarding school from eight to 21. And I remember him telling me sometimes, you know, when I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, my hairdryer's not working. I need to get a new one. And he'll like clean the dust at the back and be like, it's not broken. You just need to clean the dust at the back. And he'll tell me like, you know, <laughs> he'd get like a pair of shoes. And if he loses them, that's it. No shoes for the year. And, you know, my my mom also, like, you know, her dad died when she was seven and in a car crash. And, and you know, my parents actually were born and brought up in Africa, my dad in Kenya and my mom in Zambia. And my my grandma, my mum's my mum, who was very close to, you know, she had to bring up seven kids on her own. And just the fact that my parents went through all of that and the way that they raised my brother and I, you know, I'm born and raised in London, lived here all my life. Um, they just, I just feel like I've had a silver spoon in my mouth. Like I haven't, I didn't see hardship for a long time in my life. I grew up with extended family and cousins would always be going around to each other's houses. And, you know, I know with you, Liv, you've got a big family on both sides as well, especially your dads, you know, all around the dinner table, definitely have all those memories as well. Um, very close to my aunts as well. I know you have your auntie Claire and Hannah, I think it is. You do a lot of and yeah. things like that I'm like that with my aunties like I cook with them I I'm a good cook because and I love cooking for my friends because I've learned from my especially my maternal grandma my mom and my two aunts my mom's the middle sister of three so yeah I, I just say that I was surrounded by the love of my family and friends you know I had such lovely friends at secondary school like really like loyal and loving um shout out to Davina and Vishna especially my two best friends we still stay in touch as much as we can even though we've kind of you know got on our, our own lives and different things so yeah I just say very beautiful very blessed and things took a turn so I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to share that as well but I'd say up until like the age of I'd say and, you know, getting into dentistry. Yeah, I was a really goody two-shoes geek kind of girl. You know, I went to a grammar school and I got 10 A stars and an A for my GCSEs. You know, I see wow. right now, Liv, right? How are they going? Yeah. I do what, they're going really well. I'm really happy with them so far. I, I'm so pleased to hear that. And I know you're working hard because I, I remember hearing about this. I know you're really into sports and you've kind of applied that mentality and discipline to your education how much your dad was encouraging you yeah. as well and you're like yeah I'm not surprised you're working hard or you're doing you feel like you're doing well it's because you're putting in the hard work and I did that too I literally I'd take over the dining room table for revision and my parents would be like it's time for dinner now Sonal you know and I'd like I just like shift it to the other half for the for the period of dinner time is that what you're doing as well yeah, I love it. I'm like, because my desk was too small at home. And it's just, I don't know. I feel I feel like, especially because I was just absorbed in studying, at least even if I just see my mum kicking in the kitchen or whatever it may be, it's just like, it's not too intense. Uh, so yeah, and sometimes I'd go to, I'd hardly go to the library actually, it was just on the dinner table. But um, yeah, then I, I did biology, chemistry and maths for my A-levels. 
And um, biology used to be my favorite subject. And, you know, so that's how I got into dentistry. I got three A's for that. And and can I ask you, was that like um, something you wanted to do the whole of your youth that you wanted to be a dentist? You'd seen dentists and you thought, I know what that is. And I'd, I'd love to work with people's teeth and mouths, etc. Yeah. Was that something that was inside you? A no with a capital N-O. <laughs> Honestly, like this is something I'm so passionate now because the thing is, I was just speaking with my neighbor, Uncle Richard, about this literally this morning on my walk, <clears throat> how often, not always, parents decide for kids and teachers back that up. And children are not, guided to discover themselves before they make the decision of what do I want to do in my life, with my life? Who do I want to be? I don't ever remember having a conversation with that. I just remember, you're really good at science, careers advisor, you know, lovely careers advisor. You're really good at science. You can do dentistry and pharmacy um, or like medicine, whatever. And my parents, you know, like my cousins were dentists and, you know, doctors and all that kind of stuff. My brother wanted to be a doctor and it was just... Like, what's the norm? What's the culture? What's the expectation? Is was kind of quite traditional at the being like you know British Asian family, and I felt like that was therefore almost just what I did, but it wasn't actually what I wanted to do. But I didn't know because I never had that conversation, and I was forced to have that conversation with myself because my life completely changed when I was twenty-two. And and I didn't finish my dentistry and I'd like to, yeah, uh, you know, I'm happy to explain why and what happened. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that it's just about knowing there's much more and you, you've you got it with the podcast. It was just about bringing people in to have these really good discussions about what else is out there. How do you discover? How do you find out who you are? And I guess it's because you've got to, A, have that conversation, but also remain really curious and ask deeper questions, which we're in the privileged position of doing, aren't we, Liv? Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. I mean, one of my friends at school, um, she's like Muslim and her parents are doctors and she wants to become a doctor. And I asked her and I said, Do, I mean, she's incredibly intelligent. Like she's predicted kind of like you all A stars and then one A or something like that. And I, I honestly asked her, I said, do you truly do you truly want to become a doctor and she said yeah and I and it, I feel like it just made me think is she doing it for a parent's expectation or does she genuinely want to become a doctor and it, it was just interesting listening to you and it just reminded me of when I asked her that question I, I think it's such a good point that you're sharing you know about your friend and, and like her parents are doctors and I'm so glad that she has you in her life because we often don't realize Certain people say things to us. They ask us deeper questions, like you said. And maybe maybe it is what she wants to do. Maybe she'll do it the rest of her life. And maybe it is her. Like, I, even though I'm not a dentist, like, we need dentists. You know, that the world needs good dentists. It's not for me, right? So that's the thing we've got to get to. What is my calling? And sometimes when we ask that, like, but why do you want to do that? And if it stumps people, Maybe it's because they haven't explored whether it's what they want to do deeply and they've just discovered they want to do it superficially, which is what I'd done. Dentistry is a safe job. It's a decent career. I'm already good. at. I remember you talking on the podcast. I think it might have been with 
the one with Tracy Marsden, um, about how you're really good at chemistry. You know, it, just because you're getting eights and nines in chemistry, but you don't enjoy it. Am I, am I getting that right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good, but I feel like when I looked at the A-level spec, it was a lot of organic chemistry, which isn't my favourite. Yeah. So I like it now, probably mostly because of my teacher, because she's just yeah. amazing. But whether I'd like it at A-level, uh, is another I don't question. Know. Exactly. So, but at least you're going through that thought process and consideration and contemplation. We don't, we try, try, tend to jump from like, I hear something and then I do it. What we miss out is the middle stage, which is this introspection, observation, metacognition. These are the things that I teach the girls, you know, that I work with, that this, you've got to have that pause. You've got to have that stop. You've got to develop self-awareness before you make really important decisions in your life. It's not like um, you have to have it figured out tomorrow. You know, I love, Liv, how you talk about you know, it's not like you go in 9.30 a.m. on the 6th of June and you have an exam and it's like, that's going to determine the rest of your life. Like the teachers make it out in school, like you got to get the best results in this exam. That doesn't define you. Like you say, Liv, um, life is a journey. You know, we are on it yeah. for the long run. Your know, life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You know, so, so you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. And you totally growing and becoming and evolving every day it's not a static thing education real education you know it's not a snapshot yeah. static thing it's and really I, interesting that go on sorry, I, was, I was just gonna say and also for me choosing a level subject because I still have no idea what really? I'm gonna do my friends who just came around before for my sleep all they said so Liv have you decided yet I'm like <laughs> no I have no idea and I just for me it was kind of hard to separate the subjects I actually love with the teachers that I actually love because I'm not going to my grammar sick form I'm going to college so I will have no chance of getting the teachers that I did um so I really had to separate kind of like chemistry I do love chemistry but I think I love the teacher wow. more and and then I realized as well in and it was the opposite for PE for me because I absolutely love my teacher and I've talked about him many times on the podcast before I love my PE teacher but I also realized that I truly love the subject as well mm. because I come home and I watch documentaries on like the history of sport and you know um things that have happened in sport and it interests me and I talk about it at home and that's kind of similar I don't know whether it's just because I'm doing my GCSEs but I've started to do it for biology as well like I had this this is gonna sound so random but I had this really impulsive thought the other day I went into a bookshop which I've never done before and I bought I bought this um anatomy anatomy one on Instagram I saw it anatomy biology book I was like wow and I bought it because I thought I was, I was watching this. Um, I was watching this series. It was called The Good Doctor, which is on Amazon Prime. It's just amazing, and it kind of made me look. And it thought, like, look at those doctors there. Like, I'm a very person. I love to help people. Aww. Like, I'm just all about helping people. And I was looking at those doctors. And I was like, imagine being a doctor and like the reward you get for just saving one person's life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it just really inspired me. And I went and bought this book. I mean, it's definitely made for university students because everything's 
all the bones and everything are written in Latin, but I'm still going to read it and I'm going to try and understand. And yeah, I just, I think it was just interesting for me to be able to separate what I love with the teacher that I love and then kind of, you know, I mean, I don't think I would have bought that biology book if I didn't like biology. So that yeah. kind of... Yeah, And I think it's a really interesting point that you raise because I do believe wholeheartedly that teachers bring a subject to life in a certain yeah. way. And um, and I think it's I've not had any part of chatting to live about this separation of teacher and subject. The only thing I said was, if you're going to take PE at college, just remember that that teacher that you've had and had that relationship isn't going to be there with you on that journey and therefore make sure that subject is a subject that you really that you really love so I guess I said that one statement once four weeks yeah. ago and live as process that like you talk about that introspection that reflection that working out when it comes to results day what subjects am I going to choose that I know I'm going to really enjoy yeah and it's it's so good that you have that beautiful balance between self-awareness but also open-mindedness like going into a bookstore and getting a book that is beyond your level, like you're exploring and experimenting, you're trialing and testing. And that's exactly what young people need to do. We can't like, I think often parents and teachers can sort of box and label and pigeonhole limit. Like you can't put a ceiling on, on real education. You know, it is a lifelong thing. And so like, at the time, I loved science. I loved maths. Like, I really thought that was going to be my jam forever. Now I cannot stand it. Even if you paid me £10 million, I will not teach it. Like, I teach English and empowerment because that is my jam now, you know. And so people can change. You know, biology used to be my favourite subjects. I literally got hundreds in all my A-level modules. And, you know, it's fascinating how we can change. We are moldable and malleable as individuals. We are not fixed, right? And I think we need to be open to that. I, th I feel like sometimes we look at each other and we think, yeah, but you've always done that. And it's like almost like we disempower each other when we don't give each other permission to grow and evolve in the way that we want to, in the way that we need to, so that we keep, you know, discovering, like, removing layers and adding aspects to our personality that we can be multidimensional if I wanted to I could like biology and English uh, you know or I can just swap one for the other it, it really is a very unique individual thing you know and it's about acceptance accepting ourselves for who we are and being around people who also accept us for who we are and, and are encouraging and, and give us that validation and permission um, to be ourselves you know I'm so glad that you have that yeah, as a mother and daughter I can really see that you kind of especially yeah you know Jane you really uh, you don't tell Liv what to do you're like you're, you're just giving her information and then letting her do with it what she wants for her life I really like that because some parents can be pushing or pressuring or rushing kids you know which is quite stifling you know I think someone taught me a phrase very early on in my parenting journey because as a parent this is your first I mean I think that the ladies episode that comes out on Monday we talk about it quite a bit that this is our first time round at parenting right there's no course you don't, you don't have a book your mum and dad didn't have a book or a qualification or a driving test on how to be a parent and it's your first time out and um but someone said the phrase to me we're here to give our children the wings to fly 
and then allow them to fly. Wonderful. And I love that because, and I've always thought about it subconsciously on a different level. Like, you know, even when she's going on the train for the first time or on a residential for a week or, you know, abroad maybe, or she decides to travel or whatever, I have to trust that I've given her the wings for her to then fly, just as my parents did to me, and have that level of trust. So I guess that's where it comes from. I'm interested to know, obviously, Sonal, that you went to university. I'm assuming it from a grammar school with those kind of grades and those kind of A-levels, you went to a, a super-duper university to study dentistry. And um, and obviously that was the, that was the goal. And your parents and family must have been elated and delighted um definitely over the know, moon as was I <laughs> yeah absolutely what happened to to change that trajectory for yeah, you yeah wonderful question and um just just before I dive into that I just want to say I love how you're um as you said helping Liv to consider things for herself you know like each one of us we are the driver of our car, we are the pilot of our plane, we are the conductor of our train, you know, and people can give us advice, people can guide us. But at the end of the day, we really are out in the sky on our own. And that's why it's really important to help children to to, to have that confidence within themselves. You know, so it's so wonderful that you're doing that. Um, with regards to my journey, um, <clears throat> so I went to King's College London which I don't know what it's like now, but at the time it was the best dental school in Europe. And I, I, you know, my clinics were at Guy's Hospital and King's College Hospital. Um, I got up to my fourth year and I was, I was doing everything, taking out teeth, fillings, root canals, all of it. Um, when I was just um, about to start my second year of dentistry at King's College London, and I was 19 at the time, this is going back to 2004, we went on a family holiday to Switzerland um, it was myself, my aunt and uncle, another aunt, my grandma and my cousin brother, who's the same age as me. And um, we were doing this really fun thing called mountain karting. And it sounds really dangerous, but it's not my mom did it. And it was literally like, you know, like you have a go-kart when you go like around the track. It was like that. And there's like a mountain and um, you kind of had this pole. If you've ever seen, you know, skiers, they hold onto this pole to go up the mountain. So that attached to the wheel of the go-kart. And so I was on it and it was kind of like dragging me up the mountain. And once you get up to that kind of fair bit on the top of the slope, that pole comes off the wheel and you just use the wheel to steer yourself down and you don't need petrol because it's a slope. So I was only on it for about 30 seconds and my cart hit a rock. So then I fell to the left and I just like banged my head and my shoulder really hard impact. And I was just like shocked and shaken in pain and Luckily, you know, I, I, I thought like my, my uncle's coming up behind me and I don't want him to crash into me as well. So I I'd fell on my left. So I used my right hand to move myself and my car out the way. He went up thinking, oh, my, he's looking at me like what's just happened. And I walked down, went to the Swiss hospital and they took an X-ray of my left shoulder and they said, good news, you know, nothing broken nothing dislocated, nothing fractured, but this shoulder joint here, this acromioclavicular joint for any medical people listening, um, it, it had just slightly moved out of position, which is called subluxation. 
And they said, you know, get back to London, have physio, you should be fine. So I was like, okay, fine. And, you know, I just passed my exams, got a distinction. I'm like, I did that at the beginning of the holiday. So you can imagine, I was like, I was in this sling for the whole of the holiday. But anyway, I got to London, had the physio. Um, But the thing is, I started getting like upper back pain after that. Like my scapula, my shoulder blade was like winging out. So I had a bit more physio. And then two months later, December 2004, I'm 19. And I start getting this lower back pain. And it has never gone. I have constant chronic pain in my lower back, which has been there for 19 years. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. How how do you overcome that? Like, how do you... Because it affects every area of your life, I assume, at that point and the age that you were. Honestly, like... I still cry. I still, I, I've never had a rock bottom before in my life. And like, I lost everything. I lost my health. I couldn't finish dentistry. I tried to repeat my fourth year, but I was in so much pain. I would used to sleep on the ward beds at Guy's Hospital before seeing my patients just to get through the day. I I would sleep on the trains to get to uni. And then I, you know, I applied for the disabled students allowance and a taxi used to come to my house and drive me. And I was trying everything I could do to finish. And my parents are like, you've got to finish, you've got to finish. And my parents did everything they did with love. But I think it was also a pressure on me that I've got to finish this thing because I've just, I've held that position. I put my whole self-worth and identity in my grades and my profession to be. I didn't see myself as separate from that, that I'm someone else underneath all of that. You know, that was a journey I started at 22, but at the time, 19, between 19 and 22, it was the most depressing, like distressing and just full of dejection time in my life. You know, I lost my career. I lost friends. I lost confidence. I lost family's respect to a degree. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was at home for six months. And then I went back to uni and then I was at home for another six months. Like lockdown was nothing new to me. It took me right back to those days where I was just like, can't, can literally just not even get out of the bed. And I'm just housebound. You know, because when my plane would flare up. And the thing is, because I was so young and I'd had that freedom before, it's kind of like, imagine if you were blind. If you've never seen before, it's kind of like, well, that's just who I've always been. But if you've been able to see and then you go blind, that's painful. That is so painful. Mm. And that's what happened to me. I'm so young. All my friends are going on with life out and about. And I'm just stuck at home and I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do with my life. And I was thinking, why is this happening to me? I'm a good person. You know, for anyone that's listening right now and you've, you've got some kind of difficulty or dilemma in your life now or maybe one from the past that you're still processing, I'm sure this question has entered your mind. Like, why is this happening to me? And I think the immediate thing is that we shy away from figuring out the real answer to that question. And I didn't. I, it was a combination of I didn't shy away from it and I also met people that gave me answers to help me answer that question so that I could rebuild my life. 
Hi everyone, we hope you're enjoying this episode so far. We're just cutting in to say, if you're enjoying our podcast, please click the follow button on whichever platform you're listening on. And please leave us a review. We'd be so grateful for your support and feedback. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you are loving our school-run chats and debates, please consider buying us a virtual coffee. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode, and it will also be in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the school run under score official and why not give it a follow while you're there so you can see all the updates and get sneak peeks at upcoming episodes thank you so much and happy listening how did you come out that side because that's a process it's a lifelong process of working through it isn't it but what from dentistry then came pharmaceuticals so how did that evolve Yeah, definitely so I had um, a consultant, Mr. Marsh. Um, he's such a wonderful gentleman. He came to my graduation as a teacher at UCL as well. I can't believe, I just told him, like, I always stay in touch with him. And then he was like, I, I, he was like, I'll come to your graduation. He's just like, he's such a, like, he's a man of very few words, you know, but, and I was like, like, really, seriously? He was like, yes. And it's so sweet of him. But, you know, he's definitely someone that was so patient with me. He used to write letters to my mother who was just so worried. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, I swear I would have had a lot more pressure from my parents because he would always be telling her, he was like, it's okay, we're trying our best. We don't know why the pain's not going. We'll try this, we'll try that. But, you know, it came to the stage, you know, like I said, I had the accident in 2004. In 2008, Mr. Marsh, he he said, look, I don't think I can do anything else for you. You're going to have to learn to live with this. And he sent me on a chronic pain management program at St. Thomas's. They they first did a, um, it's for a group of people with chronic pain. And they did like a, I think kind of like a first run of this four-week program in Australia. It was called the ADAPT program. And here in London, it's called INPUT, INPUT Pain Management. And I went there um, October 2008 to November 2008 for four weeks. Um, it was a multidisciplinary team of um, pain consultants, pain specialist nurses, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, and psychologists. And I would stay there Monday to Thursday. And then over like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'd kind of go home and we'd practice um, on the weekend what they were teaching us about how to manage flare-ups, how to pace your activities. When you have chronic pain, you can't go into the boom or bust cycle where it's like you're having a good day. So you do loads and then, you know, end up crashing and burning. Or like when you get in a, a flare-up, you can't just sit there and stay in bed all day. You've got to keep moving and doing a little bit and gradually build yourself up. And someone that really helped me was the physiotherapist because I remember one day she said to me, okay, I'm just going to note down your sitting and standing times. So she said, you know, could you just sit down and, and so I can see how long you can sit for? And I was like, her name was Audrey. And I said, I can't sit right now because I'm in so much pain. I would literally stand at the dinner table on like, you know, like a, a, a stack of celebration boxes or something, celebration chocolate boxes. And I would have dinner with my family like that when I'm in, when I had really bad flare ups. And then I would like lie down um, at just, like I said, even on trains to get to uni and all kinds of stuff. It was such a painful condition. And she said, I said, I can't sit down. She said, even if you sit down for one second, just sit down. I said, do you want me to sit down for one second? You can imagine I'm this moody, like, 
20s, like, I don't know, like, you know, why are you telling me this stuff? And I was just so, I had so much anger and frustration and unanswered questions and confusion in me. And so I literally, like, you know, like, almost like a jack in the box. I just like sat down for one second, got up and I was like, there you go. You know, she was like, great. You sat down for one second. That's great. And I'm like looking at her like, are you serious? Like, what is so great about that? I've only said, she was like, that's what you can manage right now. Like, that's good enough. Your one second is good enough. And I was like so validated. And she really taught me the lesson of self-acceptance in that moment. And then I built it up again to 20 minutes. But it started with one second. You know, often Mm. we are our own worst enemy. We self-sabotage. We are perfectionists. Liv, I know you mentioned this, you know, like you have this kind of perfectionist. I do too. In my year three report, which I still have, it's like, she's such a perfectionist. You know, if she gets anything wrong, she can't take it. And I'm like, why can't I sit like as long as everyone else? That's what's going through my head rather than like, I love my body. I love myself for who I am. Because what's really interesting is I've been doing a course called The Olive Jar and recently it's a fantastic course. I cannot recommend this course more highly to anybody. But you were wanting what was to be different than what it was. And you were so on this hamster cycle, hamster wheel of wanting what is to be different than what it is. And and we're all like that, like everybody within, and this course teaches you about the conditioned mind and the conditioned way of thinking. And, you know, it's just eye-opening really when you start to look at things slightly differently. So that one second of sitting for you was what you needed to focus on. Exactly. And you're so, I love that you shared about this olive um, jar course. I'm definitely going to check it out. And it reminds me of Liv being so bold and brave to share that when you were growing up, it's like, oh, you know, why can't my parents just get back together and this? And, you know, you you had a, you wanted something that was not your reality to be your reality. And we can't do that. Yeah. And I love how you accepted and worked with and evolved with what has life given me? Let me approach that with a mindset of gratitude, with a mindset of satisfaction, with a mindset of contentment. And then it turns what we have into enough. We don't want to be anyone else. I'm happy as I am. You know, I I will learn the lessons I need to learn through whatever life throws at me by embracing that, making fear my friend, making failure my friend. Not not thinking. And in the situation of yourself with pain, actually working with that pain and accepting what is, is that is life has given me this to deal with this. Yeah. For whatever reason. Absolutely. And we think that because our life isn't like other people's like we compare a lot and we think other people have it better we are all equal deep down the way it manifests externally and practically may be different but every single person has that same opportunity you know um and and the the reason I got into pharmacy was because after I finished that because that was your question um I the the people that team that multidisciplinary team gave me the courage to go and get a job as a person with a chronic condition. And I remember I applied to Chelsea and Westminster for the pre-registration pharmacy technician post. I didn't want to go back to uni because I already had a big fat student loan. And I so I applied for this job because you could work four days a week, get paid and study one day a week at college. Um, and it was taking a step down because it was an MVQ or whatever, but I didn't care. I'm like, mom, dad, I don't want to do another degree. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish it. So 
I went for work experience with one of my dad's best friends is a pharmacist on the high street. And I just, I, I liked, it was a medical field, but it was a bit boring for me. I liked working in the NHS. I was used to that. So I applied for the Chelsea and Westminster job, didn't get it. Applied for Great Ormond Street Hospital. I remember calling them up and the senior clinical pharmacist picked up. I said, I wanted to go and see the hospital. You know, like everyone else is making an application. I wanted to go an extra step further. So she said, yeah, sure, you can come and see it on Monday. I was like, great. Went out with my mom to run some errands, came back in the afternoon to finish my application and it was gone. And I was like, oh, what's happened? And then I called the pharmacy back up again. And I said, I wanted to apply for the job. They said, oh, we had hundreds of applicants. We just had to shut it down. I was like, oh, no, I really wanted to apply. And she was like, didn't you call me this morning? And, and she like remembered my voice. I didn't remember hers. She was like, yeah, she was like, oh, I'll just bring it with you on Monday. That's fine. And I was like, okay, thanks. And then the thing is, I put down the phone. It was the weekend. And then I realized when the pharmacy was shut that how am I going to do the application? It's not on there anymore. You know, like, what am I going to yeah. print off to take? So then I somehow went into the Chelsea and Westminster one, changed it to Great Ormond Street, and somehow managed to print it out, took it with me on the Monday, was invited to interview. Going into that interview, I had the biggest imposter syndrome ever. I was like, there is going to be someone out there who's healthier than me, maybe even smarter than me. I had 117 days off sick on my application. I'm like, why would they hire me? And do you know what the thing that changed is I saw, I met a, a, a new group of friends at university and I started meditating for one and a half hours every day. You know, so when I applied for this job, I was doing it. And my parents are like, why are you doing that for one and a half hours? You should be like using that time to look for a job. This is this is this is like the, the kind of you know, what are you gonna learn from meditating one and a half? I am telling you, I went into that interview and I was like, you know what? Through my meditation, I was learning a lot of self-acceptance and confidence for just who I am, all my strengths, like whatever I've been given, I'm going to use it. And I care about these patients that I'm going to be working with. And so I went in with that energy. They called me at the end of the interview. They're like, could you just hold on a second? I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, we'd like you to offer you the job. It's yours if you want it. Amazing. I was like, are you for real? I remember telling my parents, I'm like, see, look, that meditation worked. And they were like, they're like, they're just like I, honestly, it was my first faith building exercise in anything spiritual. I'm not, I was not a spiritual person growing up. Like I love my grandma to bits. If I was any kind of religious or spiritual or anything, it was because of her because she was just such a warm, lovely, amazing person. Um, but I used to go to the temple, like, you know, born and brought up in a Hindu family, like maybe like twice a year on like, Diwali and like Krishna's birthday and I just go to spend time with my cousins and my friends if I'm honest and I find like why are we worshipping a piece of stone I found it quite strange but then at university I met a group of friends young people like me who really understood the depths of the eastern tradition so deeply and at the same time they were studying and, and doing really well in in their kind of professional life and I was like I, I did become very spiritual and I started meditating because they were doing it so yeah, you know, who you spend time with changes you and shapes you. It sure does. So dentistry, pharmaceuticals, and then now teacher, tutor. And the teaching and the education, education came from King's College London. So another fabulous, you know, institution and, you know, moving into teaching. What happened there from from this very scientific 
medical background into teaching how did that evolve yeah so what happened is so I was four years dentistry then four years pharmacy technician and funny enough even though I didn't get the job at Chelsea or Westminster for my pre-registration like training for two years I worked at Great Ormond Street and we was kind of like you know I was making the chemotherapy drugs for the kids on the wards and their TPN bags things like that and working in the dispensary and I when I left Great Ormond Street, I did get a job at Chelsea and Westminster as a locum pharmacist, which I worked for about eight months. And I was working in the HIV unit and the mental health department, especially. And I remember one day, um, Liv, Jane, and everyone listening, that, and this is what I mean by you have to discover yourself. Just think, like I was, this was 2013. So I think I was like 25 or something like that at that time. Now, because I'd got into spirituality at 22, for about three years, I changed big time. I became a lot more community orientated and I really cared about my relationships and my friendships because that healed me. I used to go to talks at my university for the meditation society that I joined and I would lie down at the back like a real freak, a real weirdo, and none of my friends ever judged me. And I loved them so much. And I remember when I was like filling this dosset box of about 30 pills for a patient and I just didn't believe in it. I just, my heart was not in it. I was like, we need medicine. I've had to take medicine for my chronic pain. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in it, you know? And I love seeing people. I know if you've had an eating disorder, I love that reel that you shared the other day, just to normalize the things that we go through on this journey of life and not feel any shame or blame or embarrassment. It's like, this is just me. This is what I'm dealing with. But at the same time, I knew, I don't think a pill is going to solve this person's pain and their problems. I think we all need more love in our life. We all need more compassion. We all need more care and kindness, softness and gentleness. You know, like not just having to accolades and achievements and awards and passing exams and this kind of more masculine energy society that we have. You know, the feminine energy is so beautiful when harnessed and channeled in a way that can lead to empowerment. You know, that's why I teach girls English and empowerment. And so I was, um, after pharmacy, I had another flare up. I was at home for six months again. Like I'd been off work for about two years, four, six month stints at a time by the time I was 26. And I just, I just thought to myself, I was like, I don't want to go back to pharmacy. I don't know what I want to do. Then I was, I came out of the GP surgery one morning. There's like a Swan pub on our high street. And I saw this advert for a maths and English tuition center. And I thought, oh, let me have Mm -hmm. a look at that. And um, I went in there. It was called Explore Learning. I don't know if you've heard of it. But um, I, because I know you have a franchise as well. So this is a franchise. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, I went in and they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have any vacancies. First time. Went in again. Oh, sorry, no vacancies. Went in third time. Oh, yeah, we have a vacancy actually. So after being at home for six months, I was like, great, you know, at least it's something. It's just two roads up the, um, you know, two minutes up the road from mum and dad's. 8th of January, 2014, I went for my, I was getting ready to go for my interview. And then out of nowhere, I don't know how this happened, had the worst nausea ever. Like I was feeling so sick, like I was going to throw up at any minute. And I thought today, today, all days, why? Like I've been at home for six months. I'm so bored at home, you know? <laughs> And then, and then I'm like, I called up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to cancel. Someone picks up the phone. They're like, hello. I put down the phone. I thought, I have got to get to this interview. I don't care. And I don't know if it was the most stupidest thing. I've, it probably was the most stupidest thing that I've ever done in my life. 
because I was walking around in my interview and I was thinking, any moment now, I'm just going to throw up on, on all these people and silly, why have I done this? And then I don't know how, but somehow it subsided halfway through. I finished my interview. I got through. I got the job. I was 29 years old at that time. After careers in dentistry and pharmacy, I'm on minimum wage, donned on a bright blue t-shirt. My family and friends are thinking, what are you doing with your life? And me, I'm like, for the first time in my life, I could say, I love my job. Right. Wow. So you found your happy place in terms of teaching and empowering young people and inspiring them. And that word that I sent to you, which I sent to all of our guests, actually, that I truly believe that, well, I know that education comes from the verb educare, the Latin verb educare, which actually means to draw out rather rather than to imprint on somebody. And I think perhaps we had a great debate last night with your friends, didn't oh, we? Yeah. Sorry, but but I've I've definitely got hair fever because my doll is just like streaming. But I I'm gonna continue. Yeah, my friend um last night, she um she's incredibly intelligent. My two friends that came over and we were having a full on debate about the education system because what I mean we love people, well more definitely we all love to like get constructive feedback on our podcast because that's the only way it's going to get better and she was saying to me she said Liv I honestly I love your podcast so much but I feel like you need more debates and it always seems like you're putting out the education system as if it was really bad and honestly I didn't argue with her at all instead I had a full-on discussion with her about why does she think that and why do I think that she was putting forward how she felt no education is so relevant and the system that we have if we didn't if we didn't have the system then um it would be chaos because everyone in this country has to go through some sort of thing to be yeah. educated which you know, I agreed with her in, uh, completely as you said the I think the main problem uh, Ellie, my friend, she said, is that teachers need to be paid more because they, they're losing the passion for teaching yeah. because, you know, and if you don't have passionate teachers, you're not going to have young children who are passionate about learning. And, and then I came on with the debate of, yeah, but as you think about it, the UK is a business. We have to get that money from somewhere. And I asked her, what, where else in the, like, on all the other things in the UK that we have to pay for, where would you take that money to pay teachers? And she was like, I don't know, but it just has to happen. Yeah. Because if you don't have teachers, you don't have educated young children, you don't have these people that could go into yeah. these jobs, which totally made sense. So that's why I wanted to say that just because I know that if anyone's listened to our previous episodes, it honestly does sound like we're, we've brought on people who, you know, didn't get very good GCSE grades and they said you don't have to get it all figured out but I just want to say that I yesterday from that conversation I definitely it opened my mind even more to how the education system is not it it has to be there I mean it could be better but it has to be there and I just realized now that it even when I'm talking on the podcast it's coming back to me because I think I'm here, people may believe that I've already made my decision on the 
or the education system because of the previous podcast. But actually, I changed too. Like yesterday, listening to that conversation, it's given me a different outlook on what it could be like and different people's perceptions of how important it is. And yeah, that I, I was just thinking about that because, I mean, that discussion last night was really relevant to me and definitely the podcast as well. Um and the other thing that I wanted to touch back on is when you were working in the pharmaceuticals and you said, I don't think a pill could solve this problem. Mm. I, I do totally agree that when I was suffering with my eating disorder, I, the person that I saw every Friday, he because I was completely solo, I wouldn't get out of bed. And he wanted to put me on antidepressants and I was sat there and yeah. I thought, like I knew my friends at school, some of them were on it, and I thought... I don't I really I don't want to be that person who relies on that to be yeah. happy because that would make me even sadder because I don't want to have to I'm not saying that you know it's it's a bad thing I know it's it's um, it can be like a biological thing in your head with not enough hormones and all that I understand but for me uh, I I didn't want to rely on on a pill to make me happy because then I would become over-reliant on it. And I feel like it can create, I'm not saying in all circumstances, it can create that victim mindset of, oh, I can't do that because I have depression. And I didn't want that to be me. Like, that's not me as a person. So for me, I... (sighs) It, it didn't change me that point and I didn't think oh I want to get better now because I don't want to be an antidepressant it didn't do that it wasn't a click moment where I was like right I need to change my life around but what it did do is now looking back on it I I'm not saying I don't believe in in that the the antidepressants but I just think people need to I don't know I feel like I'm sounding too controversial but for me personally I I I want to work towards that. I don't just want to say, right, I, I just need it because, you know, it's going to make me happy. I need to find that within myself. I don't want to be relying on it for the whole of my life. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Liv's been on a, a massive journey. She's really struggling. I could see her the whole time with her nose running <laughs> with the hay fever. I feel like you are fever too. I've <laughs> like anti-allergy tablet, which I probably need to start taking soon. <laughs> yeah so I think you know she's been on quite a journey for someone so young and those opinions those thoughts very much come from her I don't know I've never heard her talk about that situation before where you know said you need the antidepressant I was with her obviously and I heard the same thing but I haven't heard her take on it um yeah but it was interesting in terms of the conversation of um education and and where we go absolutely right we need a system but we we need our teachers to be super happy super empowered in themselves and and yes that comes from them being underpaid under resourced but it also comes from the system itself so I have a real viewpoint on the fact that actually we need to be really looking at what's within that system of learning um that's fit for today's today's young people because we live in a completely different world so tell us how you approach your teaching now bring us right up to present day because you are empowering teenage girls in English and and actually empowering them at the same time definitely I just first I just want to say Liv honestly thank you you are such a role model and a pillar of strength for people your age like even for me at my age because 
you know, to say what you just shared there, first about the educational system, second about, you know, these antidepressant medications. I was offered antidepressant medications. I didn't take them. I have never taken an antidepressant medication. That's not to say that I'm better than anyone who does, but I felt the same as you. I didn't want to rely on a pill. I wanted to rely on my resilience. Our brilliance is in our resilience, but we're not often taught and reminded that. But, but so, you know, it is a fire within us and it seems like you're really in touch with that. So you go for that. It's, it, it's, it, you know, that's your truth. It's, we, we don't need to feel bad or less than if someone else does something different. Different is also valid. We need to learn to not judge each other. We need to allow space for, for ourselves to make the choices we feel comfortable. I didn't feel like taking antidepressant. I didn't. You didn't. You haven't. That doesn't mean someone else that does is, you know, lesser. It doesn't. We're all equal. But what I like, what I love about what you've done is you stayed true to who? You. You. Me. Exactly. Me. I mean, that is the point I of feel life, like to stay true to yourself. Yes. And I just, I just feel like as well, when you're, when I was in that situation, obviously I was there with basically a professional and I'm telling him basically, no, I'm not doing it. And he's, you know, he's a professional and I'm stood there basically saying, no, I don't think you're right. Can you come and work for me, please? (laughs) We need to collaborate. (laughs) I I need to get you speaking to the girls to be like, look, she stood up to a doctor, a doctor, you know. Like Mr. Doctor, who should know everything. You're incredible. Yeah, I just, I just, I just think that you know, I I understand that you know we have these doctors who are incredibly trained and they are amazing. But then again, each person is individual. And then when you look at like when you're becoming a doctor, you obviously learn the the main. I don't know. I've I've never been a doctor, but like probably the main areas of like the body as a whole. But then you have to take into account people who they are as a person and the medical history, their experiences, the beliefs, and the spirituality and everything in that to give them the best treatment. Because if you just treat everybody the same and you just say well I've seen this before and this is what I've done before and I will give you this and it will help you that's I'm totally different to who you've seen before like that's not who I am so and that is maybe one of the reasons probably as well I didn't really like him and I just <laughs> wanted to say no because I was like I just had, I don't like so you're never going to be able to do this you're never going to be able to do that really not to my confidence you're talking about wings earlier I've had people that have clipped the confidence in my wings you know and we have to stand up to that by that self-belief you know, and, and just returning to your question about how, like, why I do what I do now after that job at Explore Learning. Um, it's my brother who saw an advert on the back of a bus for teaching. And he's like trying to help my parents out probably and is concerned about me. He's like, get a proper job, son, or come on. And then he's like, have you ever thought of being a teacher? And I'm like, I don't know. No, not really. I've never thought about that. And then, you know, like with me, I was still in my very much perfectionist mindset. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the best place that I can go for teaching. And UCL, um, uh, University College London Institute of Education, they just merged with UCL the year I did my PGC, my postgraduate certificate in education. I applied there in November, got through the first round of interviews, got my place. And I waited a whole year to do that because I wanted to go to the best place. And, you know, you can tell my mindset still wasn't fixed, even though the meditation, all that, it's very hard to shake these mindsets. And I've had to have a lot of lessons to make me realize, you know what, sometimes 
second place is actually first place when it's just you. It, you don't have to be the best, whatever. But anyway, I got in, I went, I loved it. I had some amazing trainers. I worked for four years as a primary school teacher, teaching children seven to 11 years old. But I also tutored, like I've tutored for the last 10 years and I've done all the way from like four-year-olds at Explore Learning, four to 18, they were kind of 15, they were there. But also like GCSE science, because I'd done dentistry and um, like 11 plus and 13 plus exams. But, you know, being a teacher, I completely agree with you, Liv. Like I felt so overworked, underestimated, underappreciated. And it's like the teachers in schools are really good people. You know, I look at my own life and there's, there's teachers that have shaped me. And it's just that they work in a system that makes it really difficult for them to do their job. You know, they don't get the support they need, the time they need, the pay they need. So yeah, they're not happy. I wasn't happy. I was like, I was, those four years as a teacher are the worst in how I've looked after myself. I was not eating properly. I was not sleeping properly. Maybe some people manage it. I know they do. I have some teacher friends, but I did. I couldn't cope, which is why I left in March, 2019. And I set up what I do now. Um, first, I was just teaching all the subjects, mainly 11 plus, but now I just teach 11 to 14 year olds at this present moment, English and empowerment, secondary girls. And people ask me sometimes, why just girls? Well, because I was actually reading an article in The Guardian recently and the statistics were like, I can't remember the exact statistics, but it was almost double girls, their struggle compared to boys. Wow. You know, I, I will definitely share the article on my social media soon. And I was like, why is that? I was speaking with another like kind of colleague friend in the media space. And she said, you know, the guy's always like, yeah, I'll be on TV. The girls are like, no, I don't think I'm confident enough. And I saw this amazing reel on the female lead, if anyone follows them on social media. And this lady, lovely Scottish lady in a bright red dress did this reel. She said, women don't need to be taught how to be confident. It's that we live in a world that doesn't acknowledge and appreciate the kind of confidence that women have. You don't have to be loud and Larry. I'm actually a very shy person. You know, people don't think I am, but I am. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like, in one sense, being on a podcast, all this stuff. But if I have a purpose and a mission and a vision, you will not be able to shut me up, right? So, <laughs> find that fire. But we need Yeah, and I think that's... I think it's wonderful that you're now giving that empowerment. I guess it's giving... Um, Young girls, seven to, um, you know, the age 14, range yeah. of senior girls, 11 to 14, eight, you know, year group seven yes. to nine. That's where I was trying to find my words. Um, that safe space to explore and be empowered. Um, and that comes back to that teacher-pupil relationship, which, you know, that time. And that's really hard for teachers today because there isn't time there in the classroom to be able to do that. But they desperately want to. As teachers, to. we have time. As tutors, to. we have, you know, I just do small groups and I do a little bit of one-to-one kind of hybrid element program. And honestly, I had a, a, a student just a few weeks ago said to me, she said, Sonal, you know what? I really like my teacher, but with you, I feel like I can tell you anything. Like, even if it's something embarrassing, even if it's something I'm worried about, you know, even if it's something I'm struggling with, like, that having that complete confidential space 
where you feel like you can say anything to someone, that is such a rare commodity in this world, I'm telling you. If you have even one person in your life like that, that you can just be your self with, even on a bad day, even in your messy mayhem moments, right? Whether it's a teacher, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, that is the greatest blessing. And when she said that to me, and then she followed that up with, she said, if you're not retired, I want my kids to come and study with you. And I was just like, oh, that's so amazing. You're going to send this cycle full. Your parents and your family must be so proud. And, and I'm so delighted that our worlds collided. I feel like we've got another episode in here in a few months time that there's still so much to explore. But um, I'm conscious of not running above and beyond our time because we said around 40, 50 minutes. Look at us go. We're near an hour. We're hour. <laughs> you spoke about um, a gentleman through your journey who was was a mentor. I guess came into your life as a teacher to inspire you. He came to your graduation at UCL, um, which is which is amazing. Is there anyone else there that you'd like to specially mention that's particularly inspired you? Yeah, you know, I was when I get asked these questions. You know, we often ask each other who's inspired you in your life. I have so many people that have inspired me, but at this particular moment in my life, I would say three people have really been on my mind. The first is my English teacher at school. Because, you know, being someone that I thought I'd always be into science and maths, I didn't actually appreciate my English teacher growing up as much as I do now, today, because I'm teaching English. Her name was Miss Johnson. And she taught me in year seven, and I think it was year nine, but I actually was going through my year seven book with her recently, because when I came into her class, I remember I got this C grade in English, and I cried so much, because I'm like a top student, and, you know, I, I was just so upset, and she, like, changed it to a B plus first of all. <laughs> I know she did that to get rid of my tears. I know she did. But then she worked with me until I became an A student and I got an A and an A star for my English language and literature. And I'm really grateful to her. She's such a lovely lady, you know, just short brown hair. Like I can just still picture her like kind of like boycott and like long wisps. And she had this really kind of, you know, skin as white as snow and this glow that just such a friendly, warm person. She was a teacher that showed me as a teacher today that we need both care and competence. You know, we need both empathy and expertise in our subject as teachers and parents and educators and and any adult in the life of a child because she was amazing at her subject, don't get me wrong. But that's not what got me through her classes. It was her personality, her persona, her warmth. Both are crucial and critical. So when you were saying earlier on, Liv, like separating the subject from the teacher, I don't think we can do that. We really need teachers to be good people as well. You know, it's true, we need to love the subject. But often, you know, we even if we could love a subject, we end up not because the teacher's not nice. That is how much impact yeah, the teacher really has important. on the life yeah. of the child. So I would say definitely Miss Johnson is one. Then I would say when I was teaching, I went to a secondary school on my, even though I was doing primary, I wanted to go to a secondary school for my two-week placement to see what is the transition I need to be par- preparing because I taught mainly kind of year four, five, six. Four, and there was this one teacher, she was teaching a year seven or eight class, Macbeth. Again, amazing teacher, very expert, right? And then the children were just so wild, so unruly, so just wreaking havoc in this classroom. And I was just sitting there as a student watching it all thinking, 
have I really picked this life for myself? And I'm like, what is she going to do? Because they just weren't listening. And she went up into the middle of the classroom and she just stopped. And she just said, I care about you. Just stop what you're doing. I want to help you. I want you to do well in your life. I believe you can do a lot better than this. Are you willing to work with me on this? I really care about you. And the children and I were just like stunned to silence. Like she really cared. And I was like, that's what I, she was the, I only spent like a few lessons with her. But no one has been able to impact me in being a teacher like her and one other teacher at that same school who I literally had one lesson with. I had teacher trainers and I'm really grateful to them. But these two teachers really impacted me. There was a group of 16 year olds, your age live, right? Refugees. And they were really playing up in a class I was teaching. And then, I, and I was feeling so annoyed, so frustrated, so like they're so rude. They don't have any respect and all this kind of stuff. And then the teacher came up to me at the end. She said, you know, those two sisters there, they were kidnapped. You know, that boy over there, he saw his parents killed. You know, that boy over there, he is living alone on 60 pounds a week. Kidnapping, killed parents, quietly living alone. Every single one of us is fighting battles and has been through things in life that no one may know about other than our closest people. And sometimes maybe no one gets it, even if it is our closest people. We need to stop judging and start loving in all our relationships, especially teacher student, because children need that safe space, like you said, and they set the foundation And that's why I don't just teach English. I have the five C's. I teach, you know, conversation, core reading, comprehension, creative writing, and confidence, empowerment, all those five C's, because it needs to be holistic. As soon as she told me their story, my whole approach to those kids changed. I became more patient. I I realized, and those girls, you know, they, some kids, we have opportunities and we waste it. I've seen kids do that. These girls were so grateful for the iPad they were given. They they were like lapping up every single opportunity to learn. Okay, they were struggling. But do you see what I mean? Like we we judge people and especially kids. We're like, oh, you're stupid or you don't care. No, it's not that they don't care. It's that they're fighting battles inside and they don't know how to talk to them about with anyone. Yeah, incredible. You've, You've been so blessed to have those mentors and teachers around you to to empower your journey forward and that's what it's about it's that circle isn't it that 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 circle of life how can people get in touch with you Sonal where you know I know you're on all the social media channels I'm going to be sharing that within the social um the the show notes of this episode and on our socials what just give us your website and social media handles as it stands today so um I have lovely Lisa who's helping me um uh, start my website right now. It's going to be www.risegirls.co. It's not live yet. So the best place to interact with me, send me a DM, please. I'd love to hear from you what you thought about this episode. Um, anyone that's listening right now, 
um, is Sonal Rise Girls um, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I do want to start sharing. I want to start a YouTube channel. There's lots of things in the pipeline, but right now, Instagram and Facebook are the best place. So I, mean, I am also on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, as you said, you're sharing the handles and whatever platform people are on, you're welcome to me approach, approach me through whatever's comfortable for you. That's amazing. And we are actually going to be starting a parent community on Facebook and parent and, and people to share their thoughts of these episodes afterwards Incredible. and also just be a place to share as a community on how to empower young people. So if you're a business, you're a parent, you're a tutor, you're whatever, and you want to you know, help to empower young people, that's going to be coming very soon. It might have launched when this episode goes out because obviously we're pre-recording wow. and scheduling it out. And we always finish with a final um, question. Can you tell us one of your school-run memories from your parents taking you to school or the bus or walking? What would you like to share with yeah. us today to wrap yeah, up? Yeah, it's the name of the podcast. So it's going to be done. Um, and I'm so excited for you for this parent community you're launching, by the way. You're such selfless souls. I, I can't wait to get involved in the conversations and come back, definitely. Um, I would say there are three. One is funny. One is about vulnerability and one is about a friendship story. So the funny one is literally, I can remember times in the car with my mother because she'd take us to school, my brother and I, eating breakfast in the car. And I'm like, I just rate every single parent who does this day in, day out. You are such unsung heroes. You are such a silent source of strength. You are underappreciated. Just to get a kid out of the door. Is a, and it's not that my mom is not. My mom is so pucker and prim and precise pristine and proper with her timing I on the other hand am I'm much better now but look I, I even sometimes I like cereal and milk and then I have like this dribble and crusted white milk whatever we do and I'm just, I don't know how she puts up with me I still live with her at the moment my parents so that's a funny one the second one is and Liv this is why I really appreciate that you share your story with your eating disorder because I used to get off the school bus at secondary school go into the news agent get a bar of chocolate get back on the bus get off at another stop just to get more chocolate. And I'd probably eat about, and at Sainsbury's, and I'd eat about four on the way home. And, and you know, like my six pounds pocket money, mum, dad, if you're listening, this is where it was going. And it's like, you know, why is that? Because I didn't, I, I, I wasn't doing any kind of meditation or self-care practice, which is what I teach the girls that I work with now. I don't just teach them about academics. I teach them about themselves. You know, you've got to have self-care practices in your life, whether it's meditation or art or drama or whatever it is for you. I didn't have that back then in my life. I was only into my studies. And so I think because I didn't know myself, I did stuff like that. The last one is a sixth form story. My friend Vishnu would take me, drive me to school and we'd have the best school run, like just two best friends in the car, listening to music, singing, talking about work, talking about what we're going to do on the weekend, where we're going to go out. I love that memory as well. So those are my three school run favorite memories. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. We've really oh, enjoyed that chat. Have you enjoyed meeting Sonal? Yeah, I really have. It's been amazing. We're definitely doing a, an episode two, so watch out for that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, as I say, everything will be in the show notes if you'd like to connect with Sonal. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the School Run Podcast. If this is your first time listening, please go back and maybe listen to a few other episodes that we've previously recorded. There's lots of interesting topics, people's different roles and careers. We're sharing all of these stories to inspire and empower young people. That's our reason why. You don't have to have it all figured out at school. My co-host Liv is my 15-year-old daughter and I just keep telling her that school is just a small chapter of of life and there's so much out there if you just say yes to those opportunities. You don't have to have it figured out at school. We're privileged to be having these conversations and we're really thankful to our guests for coming on. Please would you hit the follow button on the podcast channel that you're listening to us on. This will really help us to grow and improve the podcast long term. It'd be lovely if you could write us a review on the podcast that you listen to us on and maybe give us a star rating. Lots of people have already bought us a virtual coffee so that we can have some chats and plan the content going forward. The link is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. And as Liv has already told you in the middle of this episode, we do have an Instagram, the school run underscore official, and we also have a LinkedIn showcase page. Would you just share this podcast if you've enjoyed it with one other person today? That would really help us. Thank you so much. Don't forget to click that follow button and we'll see you again next Monday at 6am. Music.